you have your Bibles, I am going to be reading out of the book of Philippians. We're going to look at Philippians, the fourth chapter, and we will be reading one verse of Scripture in Philippians 4, and that verse is number 8. Philippians 4 and 8 says, finally, everybody shout finally. It's the way many of you feel on Sundays after pastor has been preaching a little while. Finally, finally, Morgan, I love you with all my heart. Amen. Finally, finally. Uh, Paul was, was, here he is in what we know the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians. And he's, he's getting to the end of this particular letter that he had uh, written and was sending off to the church. And he had covered a lot of ground. He had covered a lot of ground in the previous three chapters and and half of this fourth chapter. talked about a lot of things, brought a lot of things to the surface, and, and it dealt with many things. And he's getting to the end now of this letter, and he wants to wrap it up. So he's saying, finally... I'm going to get to what I want you to remember if you don't remember anything else. If you just picked up on the spirit of what I was communicating, if you picked up on a little bit of the context of what I was trying to deal with, this is an area that I don't want you to miss. And so he's he's there, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true... Everybody shout true. True. Whatsoever things are honest, shout honest. Honest. Whatever things are just, come on, help me a little bit. Whatsoever things are pure, Pure. whatsoever things are lovely, Lovely. listen to what he said. Whatsoever things are of good report, good report. report. He names six things here, goes through six specific things and And he said, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on the things that are true. Think on the things that are honest. Think on the things that are just. Think on the things that are pure. Think on the things that are lovely. Think on the things that are of good report. Put your mind on those things. Fill your thoughts with those things. Now, before you're seated, by the show of hands, in all honesty, how many people in this building today get up every day of your week and the first thing on your agenda is to run through these six things and say, today I am going to do everything in my power to think on just Pure, honest, lovely, good report. You get up every day and you. this is part of your routine, just like brushing your teeth, and I hope that is your routine. If it is not, I suggest, I strongly suggest putting that in the mix. You think, today, my mind will be filled with these six things And these six things only. Throw your hand up real quick if that's what you think every day. 
Not even my hand. No one. Let it sink in for a moment. Because Paul said, finally, let's get down to the, the heart of the matter. Let's, let's just get down to where the rubber meets the road. Talk about, we can talk about a lot of other stuff, but let's just get to this. Fill your mind with the things that will make a true difference in your life. We fill our minds with things that bring us no advantage at all. When the Bible clearly tells us, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. It did not say that God will force these things on you. God will invade your space and make you dwell on them. It literally is saying the ball is in your court. It's up to you. You do whatever you choose to do. But if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Amen. Now let me see the hands that would say, Pastor, I could do a better job in that area. Amen. I'm putting both hands up. I I could do a better job in this area. I want to preach to you for a little while today about this. And and simply put, the answer is at your disposal. The answer is at your disposal. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the reading of His Word. Amen. Amen. Now, Uh, Let me just jump right in here and tell you that in the torment of our minds is where the adversary launches his most vicious attacks. It is in the torment of our minds. And I'm going to be honest with you and tell you that he accomplishes His most devastating works in our lives in the torment of our minds. The enemy's most devastating works in anyone and everyone's life is found in the torment of their minds. Because this is where he launches vicious attacks against us relentlessly coming to us over and over and over again, attacking our mind and way of thinking. Now, that being a reality, I have felt compelled over over the the late here to address this. I want to address this reality because... I feel as though if I address it, I can help you or in order to help you enjoy your greatest victories in God, we also have to understand what we're dealing with, what we're facing. And some people find that hard to resolve. The enemy has his most devastating works accomplished in our mind when he launches attack there. Yet God wants us to walk differently and He wants us to have 
victory and, and how do you resolve these two things? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2 and 11, it says, least Satan should get an advantage over us. Least Satan should get an advantage over us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We are not ignorant of how he operates and the manner that he approaches us, how he comes at us in this relentless uh, manner. See, you have to go back earlier in uh, 2 Corinthians 2 to understand really what Paul was getting at when he made the statement that we, least Satan would get an advantage over us. We're not ignorant of how he operates or his devices. What, just previous to this, what Paul was dealing with was forgiveness. He was talking about forgiveness, being the kind of people that are willing and able to forgive certain things and all things that come into our lives. So when we pick out one verse to, to quote about least Satan get an advantage over us, we're not ignorant of his devices, we also have to understand the context of what that was being written in. And Paul was dealing with people who were struggling with forgiveness. They did not want to let things go. They had unresolved issues, and, and you and I know this, and if you don't know this, you will now that most of our dilemmas and most of the dilemmas that people have in their lives, no matter what face it wears, comes from an unforgiveness. It comes from an unresolved in their life, issues that have not been resolved, forgiveness that has not been afforded and we carry those feelings and we carry those things from situation to situation and from individual to individual. So because we have not forgiven, because we have not resolved issues and things, we take that unforgiveness and we take that unresolved issue from situation to situation, circumstance to circumstance, and we wonder why in our life, no matter what we're facing, every struggle ends up feeling the same way to us. The reason is because we have unforgiveness in our life. We have unresolved issues that we pack up and carry with us in every situation and no matter what we're dealing with, we bring those same things in our life from the past up again and we're back to where we were no matter what situation we're placed in. And so Paul was dealing with this, not being willing to forgive, not settling issues, resolving things and moving on. And he's saying, if you do that, Satan will always have an advantage over you. He will always be able to manipulate and control and have His way in your life no matter what you're facing. And he said, so we need to know forgiveness is necessary, it's possible, and if we do that, then Satan cannot have an advantage over us. 
No matter what I'm going through, He has no upper hand if I have forgiven and moved on. If I have resolved and moved on. Satan cannot deal in this situation like he did in the last because I've resolved it, I've forgiven, I've moved on. But if I don't do that, He has an advantage over me. No matter what I'm facing. And then He explains that the important part of this is that we are not ignorant of how Satan works. And so we're talking about it. This is how he works. He wants you to harbor unforgiveness. He wants you to live and fill your life with unresolved issues by the boatload. Not just one or two. He wants your life to be filled with unresolved issues. And so all of these loose ends that are not tied up, all of these issues that have not been resolved, I'm just going to, I'm just going to square my shoulders and move on. Square your shoulders and move on. But if you don't resolve it and you don't let it go, you'll face it in the next place that you end up. Because you're bringing it with you. It's part of your baggage. It's who you are. That's how he has an advantage. And we're not ignorant of his devices. So... This is what he does. He torments your mind. He launches attacks in your mind. He's relentless. And that's where his devastating victories come from. Because you get up and your mind instead... You know, it wasn't overwhelming today. In fact, it wasn't whelming. It wasn't anything. When I said, you get up every day and you think, today... I'm taking control of what my mind is going to be filled with and these are the six things that it's going to have to fall into one of those categories or I'm not wasting one second of one minute of one hour of this day on any of that. If we don't do that, then Satan gets up having a hallelujah party thinking today I will own them again. Today I will have a heyday in their life. Because their mind is filled. Well, they said this about me, and I know they're against me, and I, I know they. Uh, and and you get a call from the doctor. Well, I know I'm dying. You know, it, it could simply be they need to. You need to update some information. But you got a call from the doctor, and because you didn't pursue or initiate the call, you got a call from them. It automatically. I'm eating up with cancer. I probably, I got to make the appointment. I probably won't even get back to the appointment before I die. Right here. Oh, you see someone uh, tried to call you, the caller ID, the whatever on your phone, and, and you don't even, you don't know why they're calling, but because it's a certain number attached to a certain person, automatically you think all hell is broke loose. This is going to be the worst call of my day. Hello? One, one, one sound in your car that's a little bit strange and immediately you think, well, I've, I've thrown a rod at this. The whole thing's going to blow up. I'm fixing to go in debt 50000 more because i got to... That's the way the adversary attacks. Our family, our finances, our health, every... Right here. As, we don't even know what's going on. But we start thinking and assuming and obsessing and, and we're like, oh, it's the worst, it's, it's, it's death, it's the call I didn't want to get. And, 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 and Sometimes it's the wrong number. 
But we've spent days fretting. I'm not calling them back. I just cannot bring myself to calling them back. I just know what it's going to be. And, it, and it, the devil operating, working, tormenting, controlling. It's the worst. He wants us to think everything opposite of the six things that we received here from Paul. He wants us to live our lives, not a good report, every contact that is made. It's going to be a bad report. It's going to be more dead. It's going to be another problem. It's going to be another fire. It's going to be another issue. It's always these far out things that he convinces us is truth in our life. So he launches this against us, our mind. And, and, and it's his playground. Now, I, I've never served in our uh, United States military. There are people here that have, and I, and I honor you. And on a flight yesterday, a flight attendant decided she wanted to honor all of our vets, active and past, and people that are in military in every branch, and first responders. And she went through the whole litany of it all on the mic. And then she said, everybody join me in this rendition of God bless America, land that I love. And, and she, I mean, she is singing in the mic, and she had the accompaniment of of the three-time world champion accordion player. I'm not making this stuff up. If you fly southwest, you understand all kinds of stuff happens. Uh, she had found this guy on the flight that was the three-time uh, world champion accordion player, and he just happened to have his accordion with him on the flight, and they employed his services to uh, play uh, blue suede shoes and all kinds of techno music and, and, and interesting stuff, and then he's playing, God bless America, and, and it's amazing. But I've never served, you know, I've never served in that. But I, 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 I am not talking about something I did. I'm talking about something that I do right now. I am serving in his army. Um, I, haven't, I haven't necessarily defended the rights of our freedom right here in this country, but I have for 30 plus years defended the rights of freedom of the Scripture and people to be brought out of a world of sin. And so... Um, Here's the thing, whether, whether it's in natural engagement or spiritual engagement, there are always overlapping and similarities and I'm in His army and, and I receive my commands from someone higher and I'm willing to say, sir, yes sir, every time. And I understand that I haven't been through a boot camp somewhere on some island or some hot state or somewhere in this country, but I have been through spiritual boot camp. And I can tell you it's just as grueling as what people tell me it is when you're going through it naturally. If you're going to be in His army, if you're going to serve Him, then there are some things that you fall in line with and you just you, you check your rights out at the door and you start fighting for a cause that's greater than you and you start representing and standing up for something that doesn't necessarily just reflect you. It reflects the one you are trying to represent. So I understand all of that and I'm saying that to say this. When it comes to warfare, the directives of warfare. I'm going to talk from a spiritual 
perspective. But it's the same in the natural. Many times, the directives of warfare fall squarely and directly on the shoulders and the foundation, everybody shout, foundation of a keen knowledge of who and what you are confronted with. If you don't know who you're dealing with, you're going to have trouble. It doesn't matter how equipped you are. It doesn't matter how trained you are. It doesn't matter how fit you are. It doesn't matter how special you are. It doesn't matter what rank or level you've arrived at. If you have no knowledge of what you're confronting, you're at a great disadvantage. You're at a disadvantage that will cost you and everyone you're responsible for everything valuable and important in their life. Here's what we do. In this country, we try to gather every bit of information we can. We try to pull from every resource we can. We do everything in our power to understand what we're dealing with, who we're preparing for, what the confrontation is, what the ramifications of this, what's the fallout of this, what's the cost of this, what's not just in monetary things but also in physical. When you, you, You're looking at everything. But sometimes in the church we come to God and we have absolutely no clue what we're confronting And we just think, it's all going to work out in the end. And one by one, people walk away and fall away and and end up in destruction. And they're trying to figure out, what in the world just happened to me? Well, I'm going to tell you, all of this that we're getting into today comes back to don't be ignorant of His devices. Know Know what you're confronted with. Know how He thinks. Know how He operates. Know the way He's going to approach it every time and then prepare yourself for that battle that is ahead. You you take on through the Spirit a knowledge of who you're confronting and what the motivation is behind that and how it will affect you and everyone that you are attached with. So this this is... the simple, this is the simple way to say it. Consider the source. Consider the source. Because sometimes we take things so out of proportion. Alright? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Out of proportion. When I was growing up, Man, military terms revolved around this, bazooka. <laughs> Anybody else remember? Man, if you had a bazooka, you, had, you were ready. Well, if you have a bazooka now, you're dead. Things change. Your adversary continues to advance, if you will, in his knowledge of you. You're being studied. He's like a, the Bible said, a roaring lion. Seeking, walking, wondering about, looking for who he can devour. 
You may not even realize it, but, but He's on the prey. And He's looking at your life constantly to see where the weakness is and where the potential is to strip your faith from you and attack you and looking for that moment. He's studying you and yet we on this side live as though there's nothing to be afraid of. Consider the source. You know, you probably don't have to take a bazooka to a water gun fight. (laughs) But sometimes we take the smallest things and make them the biggest things in our mind because we're not considering the source. Well, so-and-so said something about me. Have you considered the source? Do you really care what they say anyway? Does their opinion really matter anyway? You know, I read just... Recently, the story once again of David and his men, they are protecting a group of shepherds that are watching over a certain amount of livestock for an influential and important figure. And they make sure that the shepherds can get their work done. I think probably some of that had to do with the fact that David was a shepherd and he was looking on and he knew what it was like to be out there alone in the, in the middle of hostile situations. And, and he's trying to, with his men, make sure that these individuals that are not necessarily connected to him are okay and they survive. And, and, and so that's what happens and life goes on. The shepherds return home and David's men find themselves in a desperate situation. They just need to eat. They just, they just need to survive And so they go to the man that owned the shepherds and the sheep and all, and they say to him, listen, can you help some of David's men? These guys are struggling. They they need food. They just need to be sustained for it. You know who David is. Well, yeah, I know who David is, and I could care less who David is. These are my shepherds, and I'm not feeding one person in his troop. I don't care. Well, do you know that they, 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 they were watching over your inheritance when you had no idea that they were putting their lives on the line for your men and now you can't even do anything for them? You're not going to give them a little bit of food just to survive? I don't owe them anything. And who, what kind of servant would that be? He belongs And this guy is so arrogant and prideful and, and he's hateful about the situation and he decides he's just going to go get drunk. So he does. And somebody tells his wife, um, I don't know that you know this, but your husband said he could care less about who David is or any of the men that are under him. And those guys were the ones that protected your husband's inheritance and all of his shep- uh, shepherds and sheep. And he, this man put his life on the line and he said he wouldn't even give him anything to eat. He wouldn't even help him out at all. And that got back to David, and David is upset. I don't know if they, you know, gave him the the rest of it, but, you know, that's the guy that killed the big guy, you know, the big guy that had all the stuff. That When that man that he made mad was a little boy, he took his pop gun out to the fight. (laughs) And, and, And I don't know that you know this, but 
that, that little boy is a man now, and he's coming here, and your husband is dead. And she thinks, oh, well, hey, l- listen, this, this isn't the way it's going to go down. <laughs> and the Bible says she prepares these cakes, and she gets these skins together, and she gets food and all this offering, if you will. And as David's rolling into town, she runs out to where he is and falls down before him, and she begins to acknowledge who he is and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, before you go doing all this stuff. And, and this is the point that I want you to see. In, in the conversation she has with David, she's simply telling him, you're a great man of stature with purpose and calling and destiny, and you're on your way to something. And don't tell him I said it, but my husband is nothing more than a flea on a dog's back. And she said, are you really going to take matters into your own hands and you're going to show up here and waste your time on my drunk, crazy, dumb, big mouth, stupid husband that doesn't realize what he's doing? I mean, she goes, she just lays it all out there and, and says, he's an idiot. Don't waste your time with idiots. What was she saying? David, consider the source. Consider where this is coming from. If you take matters into your own hands, then the stately, anointed, positioned man that you are, you're going to demote yourself to his level. And you are going to take matters into your own hands. Why don't you consider putting this in God's hands? And let God take care of this. Don't waste your time on my flea bag husband. And David is like, sounds like good advice. All right. That's what we'll do. And you know what the Bible said? Within a matter of a couple weeks, her Arrogant, prideful, in control, resistant husband dies because the judgment of God came on him. Blood wasn't on David's hands. God dealt with it. God showed up. So sometimes we're fighting things that we just need to consider the source and say, why am I spending my life and my mind, and my energy, and my anointing, and my calling on things that I can put in God's hands and let Him handle. Why am I trying to handle this myself? Consider the source. All right, I want to just bring it together a little bit better, okay? Object lesson. I considered bringing a couple easels in here, setting them up with... uh, Two very different pictures. One on this side, just a canvas with lines and odd shapes. Blank, if you will. Not much color. Abstract. Everybody say abstract. And I know a lot of people add add color to abstract, but... You know, you know what abstract is? Abstract is just something created to drive you crazy. <laughs> it's just, it's like, no, the uh, other day I saw a painting. That's it, Nick. It's like, I saw a painting the other day, and I, I couldn't figure out if it was Snoopy. 
sitting on top of his house, looking out a certain, you know how he flies around? I, I'm, I, I couldn't figure out if it was Snoopy with the scarf and Tweety Bird, or what, what is the bird? What's that? What's that? Yeah, so is it Tweety there, or is that a, a woman with a bonnet on, and it's tied right here, and she's looking that way, or is that an airplane, the trajectory of an airplane and the wings? And I honestly was looking at this thinking, I cannot figure out what this is supposed to be. This, this is just abstract. It's just, it could be a, one of many things, but it, but it is nothing. It's just eh, whatever you want it to be. And it's Snoopy. No, it's a woman with a bonnet on. No, it's an airplane. No, it's, and that's abstract. And when we come to God, that's the way our lives are. That's the way our minds are. We are, you know, we're, we're, our minds are here one day and there, and somebody calls and this happens and, and squirrel. And, you know, you, anybody know what I'm talking about? It's that we're living our lives like that. We're living every day, keeping my job, losing my life, job, keeping my marriage, losing my marriage, keeping my finances, losing my finance, keeping my health, losing my health, uh, loving my family, not loving my family, accepted by people, friends rejected. We come to God and our lives are just like a bunch of lines on a page and it, there's no rhyme, there's no reason, no, nobody can figure it out, we have no purpose, there's no definition, there's nothing. Because our minds, you know... That, that saying, the idle mind. Come on. It's the devil's workshop. Strike this and color that and do that and flip it upside down. And I love it when they live their life confused. Man, is our world full of confusion right now? Some people can't figure out if they're even human. I mean, there's some people that think they're animals now. Much less a different... Gender of human, animals, spaceships. I mean, are you kidding me? What, what is this stuff? Confusion. Minds being filled with everything opposite of what the Word tells us to fill our minds with. When you empty your mind of godly things, it is filled with straw and hay and stubble, and junk, and man, I want to preach to you today. You come to God, and it is a mess. It's like the Tasmanian devil just moved through your life, and you're just like, you come to God, and that's the way, you're stressed, you need something to, to wake you up in the morning, you need something to help you lay down at night, and you need something to help you deal with your job, and you need somebody else to talk you through the fact that you're breathing air. This is air. It's good for you. That'll be $250. I mean, come on, you guys know what I'm talking about. I'm compassionate with people, and I understand. But here's the source. The enemy running a muck in minds that are not filled with the things that God has instructed us to fill our minds with. And so our, we go off the rails. We just crazy stuff happens. And you read things and you're like, are you, where, does, where does this stuff come from? Where is this birth? Who in their right mind could ever look at it and even think that this makes sense or is acceptable? Not just in religious terms, but just in human terms. Put a flea collar on me. I'm going to live my life. Because I identify with a dog. 
You need your mind to be bathed with the Spirit of God and filled with the things that can bring comfort and purpose and strength and direction because it is the adversary's responsibility and advantage to get to you and bring death and destruction and killing and stealing and robbing your sanity, doing everything he can to control. But here's what happens in the life of a child of God that knows this, understands the enemy, has the warfare battle lines drawn, knows what they're going into, not ignorant of the devices, and starts saying, wait a minute, I'm not going to keep living that way. And it's up to me. Because the answer is at my disposal. I can keep living for God like this and be as miserable as I am in the church. Now, I say living for God because I'm being kind. But you're not living for God. If you say you're a Christian, make sure you tell people if this is your life, chaotic, full of confusion, up and down. Make sure you share with them when you tell them that you're a Christian. Make sure to share with them you're in name only. And that the effects of Christianity has done... You've not allowed that in your life. You just like the name... Christ. You like Christ-like name. You, you like crucified name, but you don't want to live crucified life. So don't, don't keep telling the world, because that's what's wrong with the world. They see so many fake, false, confused, still stuck right here. People say, this is Christianity. And they're like, my God, if there is a God, I forgot I'm an atheist. If there is a God, my God, why? Why would I ever want to be that way? It don't, we can't blame everything on the devil. Sometimes we have to blame it on people who claim Christianity but don't live Christianity. Come on, the Bible instructs us. These guys were military. You know, anybody that... I'm, you probably Neither one of you probably ever had anybody over you. You probably both came in at the top, right? You know one ever told you what to do, Jeff, right? It was always, listen, I'm so glad you joined us. Do anything you want. <laughs> Did they ever make suggestions to you? Did anybody ever just suggest this is what you ought to do? Yeah. You know, the Scripture doesn't suggest. I suggest you gird up the loins of your mind. <laughs> when you read the Bible, it's not a holy suggestion. It's a direct command. Gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, this thing can be pulled, fractured, disjointed. It's chasing rabbits and squirrels and divorce and bankruptcy and sickness and cancer and frustration and bitterness and unforgiveness and unresolved issues. And our mind is in this place of torment and the devil's setting happy saying, yes, 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 yes. And the scripture says, gird up the loins of your mind. And we're like, what is girding and what are loins? Well, I would have to have a health class and... Uh, but understand this. It just means everything that is disjointed, out of place, pulled and scattered and strewn along the way, 
wrap it up, if you will, in some kind of, of, of garment or wrap it up in some kind of material, wrap it up in some way and everything. It's like, have you ever walked into the kids' playroom and it make sure you wear shoes when you walk in there because there are, when I was growing up, Lincoln Logs and, and you know, now what are those little things? I mean, there's jacks. Thank you. Ja- I hate jacks. I, I pray that jacks are not in heaven. I mean, have you ever stepped on a jack? It doesn't matter if it's, if it's metal or plastic. Jacks hurt. Legos hurt. Build spaceships, but I hate Legos. Step on one Lego and you'll have to go back to the altar and pray that God helps you. Or go see my mother and she'll wash your mouth out with soap because that's what happened when I grew up. <laughs> they, they took it serious. My parents not only wanted to clean the outside up and let God clean the inside up, they took on the responsibility of cleaning the inside too because your mouth's going to be full of soap. Hope you enjoy that. Don't ever say it again. You know, and I was a little smart aleck and had to come to the altar of repentance. And my mother asked me, Ben, well, how did you like that? I said, it was good. That was great. <laughs> Don't ever say that. If Bobby, ever, if Bobby, if you ever wash his mouth out with soap, don't ever say to her, that was great. My mother didn't appreciate that. <laughs> so here, you know, you walk in there and things are scattered. And you're like, how am I going to get this stuff together? There is stuff everywhere. And I don't know if you've ever done it, but you just kind of lay something on the floor and start putting it all in there. If you've ever done any kind of landscaping and you're pulling weeds and you're doing stuff around, you don't just throw them out in the ground. You try to take a tarp along weed. You try to take some, and you're putting it all in there. You're putting it all in there. You're putting it all in. And then you're tying it all up because all this stuff that was growing everywhere and crazy and taking this over and strong out, I'm girding it all up. I'm tying it all up. This is not going to be scattered. We come to God and our minds and our lives are like this with all these marks and craziness. And He said, gird up the loins of your mind. Take charge of this and pull every one of those things together. And instead of letting it run, well, they're mad at me. Well, they hate me. Well, they like me. Well, they don't love me. They they did today, but they don't tomorrow. And the doctor said I'm good, but I think he really meant I'm really sick. And you're like, pull all of that stuff that the enemy is having a heyday in your life. Gird it up. Tie it up. And start moving toward this other picture. Because the other picture is defined. The other picture is clear. The other picture is you're not having to guess what it is. I mean, how many of you have seen the Mona Lisa? Like, seen the Mona Lisa? You've been to the Louvre. You've been there. Okay, I've been there. And I've read all about it. I've been there a couple times. I've read all about it. You know, oh, it was the artist. It was the man. He was the of himself, but it came out in a feminine form. No, it's a, uh, it's really a frown. No, if you look at it from this angle, she's really smiling. Well, if you look at it like that and you remove the ink and you remove the painting, get down to the levels and you're like, no, here's the deal. It's a painting of a human. <laughs> this is what the devil wants us to do. He wants us to constantly put questions in to everything that is clear and defined. And God wants to bring us to a place where our life is not out of control anymore, but it is sound. 
It is pure. It is clear. It's not shifting and changing. And, and when that happens, the devil's sitting on the side. <laughs> I can't do anything. Good for you. You're, you don't own me. I got up today and said, my mind is going to be filled with the right things. My mind is not going to be filled with all of these other things. I'm thinking on the things that bring advantage and health and favor and blessing into my life. No more of that. you got a world full of doing whatever you want out there. But when it comes to Him, He's redeemed me. He's bathed my mind in His Spirit. There is something different about me that's not the same because I have willingly taken control of my mind and not allowed it to continue to be the devil's workshop where he's just building anything he wants and putting everything, imagination and everything that's going on. It's the smallest thing turned into the biggest things and, and then you get to the bottom of it and they're like, I didn't mean that. That's not what I was saying when I... Well, that's the way I took it. Well, that's because you let the devil in. You let the devil in like a playground. Oh, I'm going to swing on this one. This is good. Woohoo! When you take charge in your life and start thinking on the right things, everything in your life begins to change. Now, I can't finish it all. I'm going to stop right there, so let's stand together. We'll, we'll pick back up maybe next week and go a bit farther. But I want you to hear me today. The, the answer is at your disposal.